You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Now, today is Monday, but it's going to feel a lot more like a Friday here on the podcast with it being game day for the Buffalo Bills. So today we're going to do the leftover thoughts. I'll get to my conversation with Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills to talk injuries, and then we'll close things out with my predictions for the game tonight. And after that, I will tell you our plan for content during the Bills bye week. So That is what is on tap for you today here on the podcast. Let's get started with my leftover thoughts. And I have three things written down today as we are just hours away from kickoff between the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. And I think when you consider the Tennessee Titans, the number one thought that I have is Derrick Henry. And when you consider Derrick Henry and his workload so far this season, it's insane. And I know he's big and powerful and fast, but the amount of rushing attempts that he has so far through five games is unreal. 142 carries. 142 carries through five games. And I mentioned on the podcast last week during our comprehensive primer that Henry has 142 carries and the next highest amount on the Titans roster is the quarterback Ryan Tannehill with eight. And that's pretty insane. But when you apply that to the entire NFL, obviously Henry leads the NFL and carries with 142. But the next closest is Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints with 94. 94 is the second most amount of carries in the NFL through five games behind Derrick Henry's 142. It's interesting to me because the identity of the Titans is Derrick Henry. It's the run game. And we're talking about a 17-game schedule. I mean, this workload is just insane. And I don't think that they're eager to reduce the workload. I'm sure they wish that these receivers would get healthy for them and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, and they can throw the football a little bit more. But I can't believe that this football team is at this point in its life cycle with this coach and this general manager, and they don't have at least one other running back that they want to give the football to occasionally so that way they can have their best player fresh and more available throughout the entire season. I mean, at some point, you should probably prioritize getting another running back that's worth handing the football off to if you're going to be such a run-centric team. So this workload for Derrick Henry just blows my mind, and As I consider my leftover thoughts for the week, I wanted to start with that. So I kind of mentioned there that I think not having a good backup running back when your identity is running the football with Derrick Henry, I feel like that has been a mistake of this Titans regime. John Robinson, the GM, Mike Rabel, the head coach, you would think they would have prioritized having a better backup running back situation. And so I think it's just one of many miscalculations by the Tennessee Titans. And this is a team that got to the AFC Championship game in 2019 
And they went 11-5 and last year. They were a good team last year. But when you are on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, just like the Bills were last year, you know, you should definitely be thinking about what is necessary to get your team over the hump. And I don't think that the Tennessee Titans have done a good job with their roster management since that AFC Championship game in 2019. I mean, I think there have been some notable miscalculations. And again, we're talking about a GM in John Robinson that's been on duty since 2016, a head coach in Mike Vrabel that's been there since 2018. And so they've had several off-seasons together to build this roster, but the miscalculations have been notable. I mean, in no particular order, how about the right tackle situation? They let Jack Conklin walk in free agency. They drafted Isaiah Wilson in the first round, and he was cut before his rookie season even started. Or excuse me, he was traded to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that many character flags have popped up in such a short amount of time that they had to cut the guy that they picked in the first round before he could even play a snap for the team. So they really struggled to fix the right tackle situation. They've struggled to find answers at pass rusher opposite of Harold Landry. They signed Jadavion Clowney last year. They signed Vic Beasley. Neither of those moves worked out, and they gave Bud Dupree a massive contract this offseason who tore his ACL last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's tried to play hurt or you know not fully recovered from that knee injury so far this season. Now, he's expected to play tonight, but how effective is he going to be? And so a lot of miscalculations in their efforts to find an answer opposite of Harold Landry. Maybe Dupree is that guy, but last year they failed to find that guy, and so far Dupree is rushing back from injury and has not been overly effective. How about at tight end and wide receiver where two critical players from their roster over the last several years in Jonu Smith, who they drafted and developed into a good tight end, and Corey Davis, who they drafted in the top five, they let him walk in free agency, and their plan to replace them was Anthony Ferkser at tight end, who is completely unproven and has not been a factor so far this year, and Julio Jones. They traded for Julio Jones. They absorbed Julio Jones's contract. They gave up draft capital to acquire him to be the replacement for Corey Davis. Why don't you just bring back Corey Davis, a guy that works in your system that you drafted that developed into a really good receiver? Instead, you want to go with an older, expensive player and give up assets in addition to cap space? I just don't understand these moves. At linebacker, I mean, they've really struggled to find answers at off-ball linebacker. Their first-round pick from 2018 and Rashawn Evans is not working out. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's not been an effective player. Jayon Brown, the guy opposite of him, has been injured and ineffective. And so now they're relying on guys like David Long and Monty Rice and you know different players like that to overcome miscalculations that they've had at linebacker. I mean, their defensive personnel in general has been completely reworked going into this year compared to last year. Cutting Adoree Jackson and Kenny Vaccaro and Malcolm Butler. Letting Daquan Jones walk on the defensive line. Bringing in just different options. Drafting different players. I mean, to me that's one thing if you're a new general manager and head coach taking over and you want to get your guys in the building. But you got your guys in the building and like none of it worked. 
you wanted to completely overhaul the personnel. Again, the GM in place since 2016, the head coach in place since 2018. I think another miscalculation that they've had was when Dean Pease retired, they never replaced him. They went last year without naming a defensive coordinator, and I guess Shane Waldron was kind of like this de facto defensive coordinator who they gave the title to this year, but being very measured with that decision, I think, cost them last year in terms of their defensive coaching and scheme. Now, I know that playing in the AFC South with the Colts, Jaguars, and Texans is probably going to lead the Tennessee Titans to the playoffs. But for a team that was on the doorstep of the Super Bowl in 2019, I think if I was a Titans fan, I'd be very disappointed in how this roster has evolved since that moment. And the reason I bring all this up is obviously the Bills are playing the Titans tonight. But the Bills were that team last year that was in the AFC Championship game. And we asked ourselves the questions all offseason, what can Brandon Bean do to put this roster over the hump? right? What can he do for this team to make the next step? And the Bills didn't have a ton of resources this offseason, but they still found answers. I mean, how about Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver? I think we can all agree he's been a tremendous addition, not just from a production standpoint, but a leadership standpoint. Again, limited cap space. They use most of it to give out extensions to players that they already had, but to be able to find an answer like Emmanuel Sanders is a significant move. The Bills didn't have premium draft picks in the 2021 NFL draft, you know, picking towards the end of every round, but they still found some incredible answers. In the first round, Gregory Rousseau, who looks to be a steal and a long-term answer for the Bills at pass rusher. In the second round, they found Boogie Basham, who I'm excited about in a rotational role and, you know, what we've seen so far from him in the Houston and Kansas City games. And then you get Spencer Brown at right tackle in the third round, who looks like a really high-ceiling starter that has already claimed a role for your football team. And so to come out of a pivotal offseason that you didn't have a ton of resources with an exciting answer at receiver, defensive end in terms of a starter, defensive end in terms of a rotational player and a starting right tackle that you feel really good about all four of those things. I mean, job well done, Brandon Bean. Now we'll see at the end of this thing where the Bills season ends, but you certainly feel at this point that the miscalculations haven't been there like they were for the Tennessee Titans coming out of their run to the AFC Championship game. Now, the last thing that I want to say here in Leftover Thoughts is just kind of a general perspective on the Bills right now as they enter Monday Night Football tonight with a very healthy team. We'll talk to banged-up Bills here in just a moment, but the Bills are really, really healthy. And the bye week is next, and then you have this long stretch where you don't get a break. So the Bills need to get this win. They need to stay healthy and get through the bye and get ready for a long stretch of games. I mean, after the bye, the Bills will have 11 regular season games in a row before the playoffs. And if they don't get a bye in the playoffs and only one team does the number one seed, the Bills will play 14 consecutive weeks before the Super Bowl, assuming they get that far. So the Bills have a really challenging situation ahead of them to manage the 
the workload of these players and make sure that they're fresh going into the most meaningful stretches of the season. So I think the Bills need to be very focused in and dialed in on trying to get this first round bye, especially with your bye week coming in week six. And you have got to try to find a way to be the number one seed. Now, to me, the schedule is extremely manageable in terms of the opponents the Bills face and the likelihood that they could stack a lot of wins together and really be in good shape to contend for that number one seed. Of course, you have the big game with Tampa Bay later in the season, but otherwise, your 10 remaining games that aren't Tampa Bay, you've got Miami, two against the Jets, two against the Patriots, the Jaguars, Colts, Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. I mean, there's a good chance you don't play a team with a winning record the rest of the way outside of Tampa Bay. And so it's well within the capability of this football team to be the number one seed And I think with this early bye week, it makes it all that much more important to secure that bye and not have to play in the wild card round. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Have you ever tried to scoop that last bit of salsa out of a bowl and right at the last pivotal moment, your chip breaks, the chip disappears into the salsa, your hand plunges deeper into the bowl, and you're left with the dreaded salsa knuckles. When you're stressing about whether or not we should go for it on fourth down, it's the last thing you need. Well, I have a solution for you. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips know that the purpose of a tortilla chip is is to successfully deliver dips from the bowl to your mouth in one delicious piece. Their chips are sturdy, corny, and live to keep your knuckles clean. That's because their chips are cut and fried from real tortillas, while most chips on the shelf skip this step. On top of that, their delicious flint corn is organically grown in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. Make sure you get some Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips next time you're at Wegmans or Whole Foods. I'm joined now by Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills. He runs the website bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangedupbills, and he joins us each week to talk about the injuries for the upcoming Bills game. And uh, Kyle, as I look at this Bills injury report and we actually get to reflect on the final injury report this time around with the bills on monday night football there's not a single player on the bills roster that has an injury designation for monday night and um it's uh you know we're we're five games into this thing it's week six and the bills have a clean injury report clearly uh they're doing a good job managing these players and i'm sure there's a little bit of luck involved with something like that as well 
Absolutely. It, this definitely made my job very easy this week when I saw there's no designations. And this seems like it happens roughly once a season. We had it, I think, in 2018, heading into that game where Josh Allen hurt his elbow. And we had it last year, midway through the season. So it happens every once in a while where it just you take a deep breath, you let it out and say, okay, life is good right now. So it's definitely an easy discussion from a bill standpoint today. Which is good news. Let me ask you this though. I mean, I'm already, I was not a fan of the early buy to begin with. I think there's a, a good trajectory that you could look at in terms of teams with later buys and how that helps them. So, I mean, I know that they're not going to push back the bills by week, but is there anything that, you know, from your experience with, um, understanding injuries and, and all the different things with, with athletes and, and performance. Is there things that the Bills will have to do maybe creatively to manage the workload? Because we're talking about if the Bills go on a Super Bowl run, they're going to be playing a lot of games, you know, in terms of week after week after week from here until February. I think we're going to continue seeing load management. We see that a lot when they talk about NBA basketball. Um, we're going to see a lot of veteran rest days. We're already seeing that with some of the older guys. And then you're going to just see how they structure practice. Uh, I was looking at the Taiwan Jones and Matt Milano. They both had hamstring injuries heading into the Chargers or excuse me, uh, Chiefs game. And it was interesting that Jones had played while Milano did not. And so I looked at this a little bit further. I said, why would an older veteran play on a hamstring injury when the Bills have been historically conservative with regards to how they handle hamstring injuries? but a star player might not play when he was clearly more valuable than Jones. So I looked at more and I went through and looked at the first three games of each played because both of them got hurt in that Houston game. And then Milano did not play in the chiefs game, whereas Jones did. So you couldn't have comparisons there. So in the first three games, Taiwan Jones played in 62 special team snaps by comparison, Matt Milano played in 173 defensive snaps. So there's definitely a significant uh, difference in how much, uh, how many snaps each are playing. So I looked at this from a theory from workload management. Uh, we saw that Jones doesn't need as much practice time and he's more short burst activity. He's running down the field as fast as he can. He's only in there for a handful of snaps each game. I think it's like, you know, 10, 20 plays at a time, whereas Milano has to play the entire game uh, in most cases, at least from a defensive standpoint. So you're going to see guys like Jones who really only need to make sure that they're healthy. They can do that short burst of activity, whereas Milano needs to be able to play, needs that longer duration. So that ramp up period for Milano to do limited, limited, full, or he tried doing do not participate, do not participate, and then limited to see how they can ramp him up was the difference. Probably why Milano didn't play against the Chiefs, but uh, will play against the Titans versus Jones will you know play regardless, despite not practicing during the week there. So it was definitely interesting. Um, I, I'm sure I could dig more into this, but it's simply worth noting why they make those decisions. And I want to understand the why behind those decisions rather than just saying they did this and then we don't understand anything. So uh, that might help more shed more light into why they do certain decisions later on, especially later in the season when we see that they're you know dealing with groins and other hamstrings and calves where guys aren't practicing, but then they'll still be able to play on uh, Sunday or in other cases, Monday, Saturday, what have you. So the Bills injury report looks really good, and the Bills have been, I think, the most healthy team in the NFL so far this season. Well, the team that isn't good in terms of injuries and has 
been the most injured team in the NFL is the Tennessee Titans, the Bills' upcoming opponent. And so with so many different players on the report and a fair amount of designations, is there anything from the Titans angle here that you want to hit on? So much, Joe, so much. Uh, this year at my site, I started uh, trying to break down the opposing team's injuries because that's definitely much as important to look at those injuries as it is for the Bills' injuries. And I was getting kind of mad writing this up because there's so many injuries. I'm thinking, we're going to beat the snot out of these guys. I mean, that's the fan of me coming out. But there are a lot of injuries that the Titans are dealing with. It's almost a mirror image from last year. We came into the game with so many injuries last year. Uh, looking at the injury report, uh, we had guys out from the Bills last year, including Matt Milano, John Brown, Zach Moss, Davis White, Levi Wallace, Josh Allen, Cole Beasley. And there's other guys dealing with injuries at the time. So it's kind of nice to be on the other side of that this year. Uh, looking at the guys that are out uh, for the Titans, though, they have um, Christian Fulton, hamstring. Uh, he's hasn't practiced all week, and he's he's ruled out. Uh, we were talking before we went on. He's definitely their, one of their better uh, quarterbacks, and to have him out is going to be beneficial because then that puts uh, Caleb Farley, one of their top draft picks from this uh, off the 2021 draft in the uh, not necessarily starting role, but he's going to get more playing time. He had had a previous uh, back injury. He's coming off a shoulder injury. He missed a few weeks for, uh, we discussed him in length uh, in the earlier portion of uh, this season, um, more so in the off season uh, prior to the draft. So if you want to go back and check that podcast out, um, any questions with regarding his durability, he won't have any problems for this game, but, He's going to be really tested, and I think that's a, a point where the Bills can really take advantage of. And then the other guy is um, Monty Rice. He's a backup linebacker. Um, their, their depth is going to be tested because he's out with a groin injury. Uh, look at other guys here going into more of the linebackers. Uh, Bud Dupree, you know, the big free agent signing from the Steelers. He's still dealing with the right knee uh, issues. He admittedly rushed back from his right ACL tear. That sounds awfully familiar with what uh, the former Bills defensive end Trent Murphy went through. Dupree had torn his ACL back in December of uh, 2020, and he came back to start week one and playing, but we saw how much Murphy struggled when he started coming back too soon, and we're seeing the same thing with Bud Dupree. There's a lot of pride. They want to live up to that contract, but this could be a point where the Bills can really take advantage of. Now, Joe, you have me on as injury guy. I know my injuries, but you know football far more than I do. So looking at the fact that the linebackers do not have great depth and their starting guys are all beat up because Dupree is also de he's dealing with the injury. Uh, Rashawn Evans, he's still working through a quad injury, though he was on an injury report this year. How would the Bills want to attack the fact that the linebackers, A, aren't really all that great, and B, they're definitely not healthy? Yeah, it's uh, it's a big challenge for Tennessee with those dynamics. You, you consider uh, where the Bills can be effective with Cole Beasley, uh, Dawson Knox, maybe the running backs in the passing game, running the football with Josh Allen. Um, you have some real opportunities, whether that's having some mismatches in space or them just not having enough in terms of pass rushers to throw at Josh Allen. I, I think we've we've learned that if you just get one guy through against Josh Allen, he's going to be able to handle that. It's the, the situations where there's multiple angles where Josh Allen is facing pressure. And between Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and obviously Bud Dupree, if he was healthy, you know that's where they can kind of get that complimentary pressure. But 
without Dupree being, you know, his, you know, 100% or close to it or trying to play while he's still working back from injury, that's going to make for a less effective uh, pass rush from Tennessee and less angles that they'll be able to uh, impact Josh Allen from. And so whether it's injuries or guys underperforming, you, you look at guys like Rashad Evans, Jayon Brown, some of their, their linebackers that you expected to be answers for them, they haven't played well. So there's just a myriad of issues that exist both in terms of off-ball linebackers, rush linebackers, and um, Mike Vrabel and his defensive pedigree is going to be put to the test against a Bills offense that just has a lot of different ways that it can exploit those deficiencies. I like now, that answer, and I'm hoping <laughs> that they can actually, actually, I hope they can, they, I'm sure if I'm seeing that, and I don't know, you know football as much as you do, but if you're seeing that, I would expect that uh, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott are saying that and just licking their lips, just thinking, what can we do in, you know, against this defense? Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you this. One more thing about the Titans. Uh, something I was very interested in following this week was these two receivers that they have, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And, you know, if these guys are 100%, they're a lot to deal with in terms of their size, speed, physicality at receiver. Um, but both guys have been injured seemingly all season long, tried to play hurt at times. Julio Jones actually missed last week while A.J. Brown tried to play injured. Well, we're a week you know, removed from that. I mean, I know that they don't have an, a designation for this game, but they're definitely banged up. Uh, what can you tell us about those two Titans receivers? So Jones, he's missed the past two games with a hamstring injury. Uh, the team went one-on-one without him. Uh, he definitely did say he's going to play. I mean, hence the no game day designation. Um, it's interesting, though, that he did miss seven games last year when he was with the Falcons with a hamstring injury, and it kind of lingered throughout all the season. Um, I didn't dig into it as much as I probably wanted to, but if you go back to look at pro football reference, he dealt with the hamstring injury early on and came back, just was 100%, and it just sat there all year. So hopefully the Titans uh, training staff has done a little bit better, and they're mindful of that injury last year, and they're not going to rush him back out there. But you still don't want to be pushing him. I mean, he's an older guy. He has a lot of miles on his body. He can still play, but they don't want to be in the same situation where he's going out there trying to play and he still continues to hurt it. I know he had said that he just had tightness, but you don't say that two games with just tightness. There was definitely an injury there that they hopefully managed well. Um, so he hasn't, he's only had what, 12 receptions for 204 yards. I know that's definitely tops on the team, but that doesn't strike me as fear as you're going to feed him constantly because like we said so much uh, you know the offense runs through Derrick Henry so he'll be somebody to watch I'm sure they'll use him but I don't think he's as big of a threat as he used to be um, as for AJ Brown he missed um, the one game against the Jets in week four uh, he suffered the injury you know, uh, prior to that in week three as well and um, what was interesting about Brown is that he mentioned that the team has been limiting his snap counts uh, I went back and looked at his snap counts. Now, in the full games he's played, he did uh, 81, 84, and 64% of snaps. Uh, the other one was 12%, but that was the game he was injured in. So I don't know where they're limiting his snaps at. I mean, 84% is a significant portion of the time on the field. So where are you limiting it? Um, if they're limiting snaps and they say, we want more 64%, I could understand that. That's okay. Take your one of your top playmakers off the field. We'll, we'll be just fine. So he said that they won't let him go full go until week 10, according from what the clips they were saying. I don't know why uh, week 10 is such an important mark for them. He did come off of uh, 
two arthroscopic knee surgeries. Uh, and then it seemed like it lingered all um, off season. Like it should have just been a straightforward procedure. It seemed like he was just dealing with it all off season. Um, and then he had knee injury in training camp. So this might be a low management thing with them there too. Said, Hey, we're going to get you out there when we need to, and you're going to play and ball out when we need you to, but don't do anything in between. And then also noting that Jones was dealing with a knee injury during training camp as well. So this might be just, hey, let's try to get the, you guys healthy as we can, get them through a season. But I'm curious to see what his snap count is after the game, see if they are limiting him or if he's just, you know, trying to put smoke out there thinking that they're not <laughs> going to be, you know, doing whatever. Um, I, I also had this realization. There's only one ball in the field. Either it's going to go to Derrick Henry or it's going to go to AJ Brown or, you know, Julio Jones. They can't spread it to everybody. I know that they can move pieces around to create de uh, decoys and whatnot. But as long as the Bills know where the ball is at, they can win this game because, yeah, they have all these weapons. But if you can't use those weapons, then you're going to lose. Or that, that goes for any team. But it just kind of, once you looked at that, you're saying, okay, things are okay. These are just, these are just star players, but they're dealing with injuries and they all can't be trying to run the ball with the ball at the same time. Well, Ian, you, you have to think from that injury angle, just this team, how early it is in the season still and how many new pieces they had offensively and defensively when you're trying to, you know, figure out what you what your team's going to be, what your scheme's going to be, how it all works together. It's probably not easy to really craft that when you have so many guys that just um, can't be the 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 best version of themselves because they're not healthy. So a lot of challenges for this Titans team as they get ready to take on the Bills tonight, Monday Night Football. So uh, Dr. Kyle Trimble, we appreciate your expertise here on the podcast. Enjoy the bye week. Uh, I wish that we could move the Bills bye week to later in the season, but uh, we'll 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 we won't hear from you next week. But uh, we certainly will before the Dolphins game coming out of the bye. So we appreciate your expertise and, and enjoy the bye. You know, I was hoping that they would move it to week thirteen. You get that right after the Saints game. You get the extra time off after Thanksgiving. You have that time off to prepare for Tampa Bay. That would have been the ideal situation, but beggars can't be choosers or <laughs> whatever phrase you want to use. But I'll miss you guys next week. But uh, thank you for having me on, Joe, and go Bills. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, salted caramel, strawberry, and orange. And look, maybe you haven't tried all the flavors or you haven't tried Bilt Bars at all. Let me recommend a mixed box. That's where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. Try them all and figure out which ones are your favorites. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. There's only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. I got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Football is back and better than ever, and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. All right, folks, it is prediction time. As usual, I'll give you five predictions about the game, with one of them being my guess for the result. Let's start with number one. I have Derrick Henry under 98.5 rushing yards. And where did I get that number from? I got it from betonline.ag, where they give you really fun game props. And you can bet the over, under on so many different things. And one of them for the game tonight is Derrick Henry's rushing yards, which they set at 98.5. I am going with the under. He has not come close to 99 rushing yards against the Bills in either of his three starts to this point against a Sean McDermott coached defense. The Bills defense is as good as I've ever seen it under McDermott, especially against the run. Uh, I just don't see Henry getting this many rushing yards. And I think a lot of that is going to be because I expect the Bills to be aggressive to score points early in the football game and do exactly what Sean McDermott has preached this season. They want to be two-dimensional on offense, and they want to force other teams to be one-dimensional on offense. And if there's a team that you want to force to be one-dimensional on offense, it's the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. And so I think that will be part of the game script that the Bills try to write tonight, and uh, Henry will be kept under 98.5 rushing yards on the game. Number two, I have Dawson Knox and his touchdown streak continuing. He's had a touchdown in each of the last four games. In fact, five receiving touchdowns in the last four games. I think that continues tonight. He's a native of the Nashville area. And um, between him playing so well and there being a lot of momentum for Knox and the fact that he's back in his home area, I expect a touchdown going Dawson Knox's direction tonight. Number three. I have the Bills with over 450 yards of total offense, and they're averaging 410 yards per game, so I I expect them to go significantly above their average. I just look at this Tennessee defense, and they don't match up well with the Bills. They don't have enough at linebacker in my mind. They don't have enough pass rushers, and their secondary is so depleted in terms of new pieces, injured players, etc., and uh, I think the Bills will be able to take full advantage of all of the issues that the Titans' defense has. And so I think it'll be a productive day for the Bills offensively, and I am predicting them to go over 450 total yards of offense. Number four, I have a Bills player scoring their first touchdown of the season on offense. And so the candidates include Cole Beasley, Reggie Gilliam, Isaiah McKenzie, Tommy Sweeney, Jack Kumaro, or maybe an offensive lineman. But nonetheless, I think this is a game that sets up well for a Bills offensive player that hasn't scored a touchdown in the first five games of the season to get their first one tonight. And maybe that's a very easy answer in Cole Beasley, but there could be something creative here that allows a non-expected answer like Gilliam or Sweeney or Kumaro or an offensive lineman or McKenzie to hit pay dirt tonight. And lastly, and I'm guessing that you can gather from my tone that I do predict the Bills win this football game tonight. Um, Number one, I think they really want to avenge last year. I mean, a really unfortunate situation all around with the scheduling of the game. The Bills lost the game pretty handily. And um, 
you know, Sean McDermott, one of the first things he said about the Titans game in his his media availability was that this team beat us last year. And I think they're going to be hungry to correct that as the Bills complete their revenge tour, at least on the AFC side of things, uh, with consecutive wins over the Chiefs and Titans. And then it's the stuff I've talked about. I just don't feel like defensively they match up well with the Bills. I think obviously the Bills defense is playing so well. I have no reason to believe it won't continue to play well uh, tonight. So I think there are just there are too many things in the Bills' favor in my mind in this football game for them to not come away victorious. I mean, if you try to find a script for a Tennessee win, it's them really being able to control the entire game with Derrick Henry, and then they're going to need some turnovers. And, you know, they're going to need their stars to be stars on defense or the guys that are capable of being difference makers, like Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and uh, Kevin Byard. I mean, those guys are going to have to make game-changing plays. And so I think the Bills can just play their normal game and they'll be able to, to manage this opponent. And you guys know I respect every team. I think that there's a path for every team to beat every team. But in terms of making a prediction here tonight, for this football game, I expect the Bills to handle their business. Now, let's touch base real quick on the podcast and what's going to happen here moving forward as the Bills are on a bye week uh, starting after they conclude this game tonight. And so the Tuesday podcast will be the game recap like we normally do. Wednesday will be herd mentality like we normally do. Now, the rest of the week, I'm going to talk to some guests. And I've done this the last couple of years when it comes to bye week. So Thursday, I'm going to have Nate Geary of WGR 550 on the podcast to talk State of the Bills offense. On Friday, we'll talk to Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive Podcast on the State of the Bills defense. We'll take the weekend off. We'll be back on Monday. And on the Monday podcast, you'll hear from Greg Tomset and I. We're going to talk big picture stuff, you know, some of the big decisions coming up for the Bills in terms of the roster, uh, resources, all that type of stuff, you know, where Greg really delivers great information. And then we'll do herd mentality on Tuesday. And then Wednesday next week, we're back on our schedule with the comprehensive primer getting ready for the Bills' second date with the Miami Dolphins coming out of the bye this time in Western New York. So a lot of great Bills discussion coming your way, of course, hoping for our first victory Tuesday of the season. So with that in mind, I can finally say that the hay is in the barn. We've done all we can to prepare for the Tennessee Titans. Now it's time for the Bills to go out there and get a dub before the bye week. So I hope you enjoy the game. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.